This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I seriously love BetterHelp so much. They're one of my favorite sponsors, and I will tell you why I love them so much. When I started this podcast, I was going through a really rough time. I'm talking drug relapse, drug addiction, drug abuse, relationship issues, anxiety, depression. I was going through one of the craziest moves of my life, so therapy really helped me get through a lot of that. And online therapy is, in my opinion, even better than going to a therapist's office because, let's face it, our lives have changed the last year or so, and I just feel like online therapy is the best way to go. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in less than 48 hours. They really do match you with, with a therapist so quickly. It takes, in my case, less than 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not really be locally available in all areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's super easy to access your account. You can log in, you can send a message to your counselor really at any time you want, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever you prefer. I like to do phone sessions sometimes because sometimes I like to, to go on a walk when I, go on, when I do my therapy sessions. It's really up to you. Traditional therapy can come with kind of a stressful energy attached to it. So I really love how BetterHelp is really controlled by the, the patient. If you want to connect with your therapist and communicate something with them, they have a journal feature, which I absolutely love. This journal feature has the option of sharing your journal entries with your therapist, but if you want to keep them totally uh, private and anonymous towards yourself, you don't have to share them with your therapist. But I really like this feature because for many of us, starting fresh with a new therapist gives us a lot of anxiety and it can trigger us. Um, so if you feel like that, you're not alone. I felt the same exact way because let's face it, a new therapist has to ask questions and try to get on the same page as where their client is. And sometimes rehashing our, our history of trauma and all the details can become kind of exhausting and a little bit annoying. So what I do when I start with a new therapist, like I did on BetterHelp, is I use the journal feature and I wrote kind of a lengthy email explaining to the therapist where what I've been through in the last few years, where I'm at right now, what I'm looking for in therapy, and what kind of therapy I've done, what kind of therapy I'm interested in, and what I'd like um, out of a therapist. So this is super important. If starting with a brand new therapist gives you panic or anxiety or stress, 
This is the most stress-free approach you could possibly do. I love how they matched me with someone with the experience and qualifications that I asked for. I personally asked for a therapist who had some experience with eating disorders, depression, and relationship trauma. Once BetterHelp matched me with my therapist, she messaged me right away and then I scheduled my first session with her for that week. The process is easy, effortless, and stress-free. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you're going through a hard time right now, and let's face it, so many of us are, whether it's emotional turbulence, depression, anxiety, relationship issues, LGBTQ issues, whatever it is, body image, self-esteem, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Vibe within listeners, you get 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp.com slash vibe. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. Go start online therapy. DM me on Instagram. Let me know how it's going. And I hope that you get the help, the support, and the healing that you deserve. Welcome to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. I want to feel till my head goes numb. I want to hear it. I want to be someone. You want everything, but don't make a sound. Hello, welcome back to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and if you are wondering what this amazing song is that I put in the intro, it is a song by my friend who is a musician based out of Philly. His name's Mark Bullet, and the song is called Alcoholic, and you can find his music on Spotify, on YouTube, um, on all the things. And the reason why I chose this song to put in the intro today is because I'm going with kind of a Philadelphia theme for this episode. Um, my guest on this, t- on this episode today is a very well-known psychologist who was born and raised in the Philadelphia area. So I figured, why not? Let's just keep the Philly theme going. You may know her as the holistic psychologist. Her name is Dr. Nicole LaPera, and it's crazy because I've been following her since 
probably the beginning of her Instagram. Uh, I, I remember when she had like 20K. Um, now I'm looking at her Instagram. She has 2.5 million followers. She's created a community of self-healers and she has created a movement, um, a movement of, you know, the tools and how we can look at our lives in a different way and heal ourselves through journaling, through meditation, and through awareness and mindfulness. Um, she's a beautiful soul, and this was a long time in the making. I, you know, she's a busy woman, and I've really wanted to interview her um, for some time now, and I'm super excited that it happened. Um, one thing I will say is that this interview was done a little bit before the terrifying incident that happened um, to George Floyd and the wrongful killing that occurred, and then the Black Lives Matter movement and the peaceful protests. So this this episode and this interview was was recorded a little bit before that happened. So. Um, we don't really touch on that at all because it happened after this interview, but we really go deep into this into this talk about healing and, and different versions of ourselves and obviously mental illness and the stigma around it. Um, we, we have a nice flowing conversation and I tried to ask questions that I haven't heard before on other podcasts because... Um, she has been on several other podcasts and she also has a really amazing YouTube channel where she um, shares all of her techniques and it's all about psychology and learning about different you know patterns and cycles that we can find ourselves in so we do talk about relationships we talk about getting out of these cycles she shares some vulnerability about her life and we talk about, you know, a little bit about drug addiction, um, all the things. So I really think that this episode is going to have something for everyone. If you don't follow her already, you should definitely go follow her. Uh, she's the holistic psychologist on Instagram, always sharing amazing posts and tactful information to integrate our healing into our everyday lives instead of just talking about trauma, instead of just identifying with anxiety or depression or whatever it is that you're going through. She shares very potent um, memes and affirmations and ways to get out of different ways of thinking that we can feel stuck in. So these these plateaus, these mental health kind of stuck um, parameters that we can find ourselves in and she's all about reparenting and dealing with um, trauma related to family members and codependency and so she really just has a, a really refreshing perspective on healing these issues and giving her huge community of now 2.5 million people million followers um, the tools and the the space to learn about these 
these toxic habits and ways of thinking that we can fall into our that that can fall into our lives and we can feel trapped so um she was really just like a a treat to talk to i respect her so much and the movement that she's created and um it was really fun for me to to finally meet her so i hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, please share it with a, fa- a friend or a family member. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And let's just get right into it. Don't mind me asking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, the climate um, of Philadelphia was becoming not, I'd like to be outside. So yeah. for a while, my partner and I were talking about where will it be? Where will it be? Um, wanting to get out of the winters and the three months of a year that you can it's be It's brutal. It really, you know, it's, like, yeah. it's like night and day, honestly, because like when I moved there, um, I moved in the spring. So it was like, it was just lovely. Like it was, I was like, oh, wow, I never knew Philly was like this. I really am loving it. And then as I was watching the seasons change and people's moods change and people's mental health change, then I was like, okay, now I understand why. I need to be by water or in the sun or yeah, just like for absolutely. my emotional well-being. Yeah, same, same for me. Because I was finding too, summers were getting even uncomfortable. Like it was so hot and my options were like this concrete slab or that, you know, and so I'm like, I'm just not living outside as much as I want to. And then obviously California's climate is awesome. So yeah. that's the why. <laughs> and I can't yeah. complain because left in February so I had about enough of the winter and I know it was a mild one and that was enough for me and coming here and being on I just feel healthier I was gonna say you moved right before the whole COVID thing really happened and I also moved down back down south um right before the COVID thing happened too so I don't know it's um it's serendipitous where are you now where are you located now I'm in Tampa. Hold on, my my okay. cat just walked in real quick. Yeah, I know. Mine are all hidden. This is a door <laughs> behind me, um, very large door that they're all behind, seemingly sleeping. <laughs> so I'm hoping they don't wake up and try. Usually they're in the room in front of me so that they're farther away, but I'm going to hope they fall. They are continuing to sleep. <laughs> yeah, he'll just walk right in. Um, so I, I moved back in with my, with my mom um, in Tampa. So it's, you know. it's Florida but um that actually you know you know with COVID and everything that it's a it's a nice place to start our conversation at least um because I think COVID like you know it's not biased as far as like who it's who it's gonna affect physically because it can affect anyone it really can Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I do think it is a little bit biased on who it's affecting emotionally because the emotionally strong people, quote unquote, maybe are having an easier time or the mentally challenged people or the emotionally challenged people um, are having a a more rough time. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of interesting in that sense to, to talk about COVID and some people are living in, you know, this, this uh, wellness retreat kind of state of mind. And then there's some people who are literally like in prison. So yeah. what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think COVID is, 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 it's interesting you say that it is like the universal equalizer in a lot of ways. You know, it's a thing that's external for most of us, but it's affecting us all to some extent, obviously in differing degrees. And I think, and when I talk, think about experience and talk about COVID, you know, what I'm, what I'm mainly talking a lot about is the, the insecurity or lack of safety and you know, oftentimes around trauma and your child wounding, that's usually the conversation that comes up. And with the reality being, a lot of us carry that those wounds from childhood and those traumas that then are activated, right, when we're living something that is fear-inducing, like COVID, that is real, and that does threaten our, I mean, our physical security as a human, right, our life, um, but it's also threatening other securities that a lot of us have in place or no longer have in place, financial, relational, you know, and, and all of that. So when, whenever we're feeling threatened, I guess the short, simple way to answer that is we, we are activated, you know, and those of us who have those older traumas, that, that is what's coming to the surface. Um, the older traumas, all the feelings that are coming to the surface, and a lot of times our trauma responses, those older reactions, and it's really, really challenging. So, you know, I think that those of us who are hitting the stop and having those challenges come up are, it's obviously contributed to by what is the context that we're living in when this is happening, being stuck at home, being around others who are struggling similarly. So it gets complicated quite quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think it really does connect to like our immediate environment because <clears throat> there's people who are are really suffering on the financial end of it. And that comes with a whole dose of emotions like anger and, you know, just, and then there's people who are living in a, a more safe environment who might be not feeling too threatened financially, but now all of like these childhood wounds are coming up because there's mm -hmm. space for it now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the questions that I asked my followers, um, because I told some people that you were coming on the podcast, it was majority of the questions was about healing wounds based around like the, the mother wound and the father wound and the family wounds. And mm -hmm. I feel like right now, everybody's just facing that right now. So is what, what's a common thread that you've been hearing most recently I mean we all have wounds based on our family mm -hmm. but but in these times in particular I guess with quarantine and and all that yeah I mean just from the, the most surface level you know those of us who are in close proximity right with these familial like intimate relationships could be very much challenged you know when we are someone like yourself like in the home of caregivers or you know, caring for aging caregivers during this, right? And or when we're home with partners that, you know, otherwise would be at their day job and now no longer. So anytime we're, you know, kind of in close proximity within our relationships, especially when those relationships are our core ones, going back to childhood, these challenges can just be present because we're present to those people. Um, as well as, you know, so now you have different humans navigating their own emotional responses to what's going on with everything that's COVID related, carrying their own wounding, carrying their own traumas, right? And then their own reactions. So now you really do have a pressure cooker situation that I think a lot of people are finding themselves in, in a more unique way. 
Um, this, I, I believe, mirrors probably a lot of what happens generally in healing. Um, but like I said, we don't have the same space. We, we are in physical proximity with these people. Um, and we are, we're, we're catching them at a time where their wounding is likely activated as well. So this can make all types of relationships that we're finding ourselves in and navigating much, much more complicated um, yeah. because we don't have that distance that we might usually have from these deeper feelings. They're all there, all in our face. And we might be in a relationship with someone with whom that's the case for them too, right? So now we have two humans trying to navigate these deeper emotions, feelings, uh, and it can really challenge things. Yeah. It's, it's like we have a, a magnifying glass on the situation that we're in right now, because before we had the opportunity to like go run and take a yoga class or like go run yes. to like the coffee shop and like work from there and break up the, the stagnance of everything. Mm -hmm. Now it's just like one continuous, like you're not getting out of it type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also a, a really beautiful time, I guess, um, because a lot of people are opening up and like sharing their vulnerabilities even more on social media. But one thing I've realized is that um, people are more open about talking about anxiety than depression. And I've been thinking about this a lot and I feel like anxiety is more acceptable and more accepted because it has to do with productivity and, oh, I'm anxious about this, this job or this gig or this interview, or, you know, I'm anxious because I, ha I have to get this done at, at this deadline. Um, on the other hand, depression isn't talked about as much because it, it's low-key kind of like linked to um like laziness or you know deeper trauma like wounds and I'd love to hear what you have to say about that um you know what are what are your thoughts on anxiety and depression and and the stigmas around it yeah 100% so as someone who historically anxiety was my resting state it's all I knew. I also know that I used my anxiety in a what I think is celebrated culturally in a political productive way, if you will. I channeled it, right? I was that crazy student who, when the paper was assigned, you know, my paper was done within weeks, like well before the deadline, because I didn't like it caused me anxiety to have, you know, things hanging over my head. So some of us who do have that underlying or, you know, anxiety, that consistent anxiety, I do believe we channel it and then we're reinforced externally. Like you said, it's celebrated, right? You know, I got my paper done. I got a good grade. It felt good. I got to relieve myself of that anxiety. Teachers praise me, making it more likely that I use that same method in, in the future. And I, I think a lot of us do that. What we have to understand if you're that type of person, if you're that type of person who's listening is that there's a reason, right, why we're driven for those external validations. So for me, it's, it's unique, the reason, you know, for each of us, depending on what our past experiences were. But for me, right, that was how I maintained the love and connection with my caregivers, my mom in particular, right? So for me, the function of that was to feel good about myself. So it's not to say it's a bad thing. Um, however, you know, we have to understand that I need ways to feel good about myself that exist outside of performing, getting these external validations. But I agree with you. I think societally, it is something that is praised, um, which might keep us, you know, 
being anxious and using that discharge method, but it's not necessarily, you know, helpful because we need to have other ways that we feel good about ourselves. Right. Depression, you know, I do agree with you. You know, it, it isn't talked about as much. I haven't seen um, that discrepancy that you're referencing. I haven't really looked to notice, uh, you know, but I do think that there is a different stigma around the, the symptoms of depression because it does equal a lower mood and possibly then if we want to contrast it right with productivity, a lack of productivity, which again, societally, we like to make all of these meanings out of that. Um, but I haven't seen that, you know, that that's less talked about. Like I said, I haven't really looked, um, but it possibly is related to, you know, it's just something that we don't really want to feel comfortable advertising or we feel more vulnerable. Um, you know, possibly yeah. it's people that are feeling depressed don't really even have the energy to be utilizing social media to the same degree. I mean, there could be a that's lot so of avenues of it um, because when you have limited energy, that's, that's real. I mean, that's very much physiological state depression is um it's not that they just don't want to you know when you struggle with us oh i just don't want to do these things it's, it's quite literally i cannot like there is that that lacking of energy yeah um, but yeah i think that there are some different there's perceptions that we have with everything you know and some of them are very much universal and you know others aren't and i think things do get stigmas yeah the energy of depression and anxiety are like they're one and the same, but they're also polar opposites because mm -hmm. anxiety, it's like you have this, this hyper um, energy and you don't know what to do with it. And like you said, I think there's, it's something underlying the anxiety. Like, why do you feel like you have to be doing something? Um, and that's, that goes hand in hand right now with like, with COVID and, and quarantine, a lot of people are like, stay productive, be productive. And then there's this whole other side to it. That's, that's saying calm down or slow down or make space for yourself to feel whatever you're feeling because of course it's easier to kind of to to lean in to anxiety would you say yeah I, I could make a case though as someone who is anxious or who chronically historically has been anxious for me while I don't I don't resonate I, I would never I wouldn't describe myself as anxious now or feeling anxiety however stopping, slowing down. I was actually just talking with a friend this morning about that is incredibly difficult for me. Um, cause I still have that internal voice of go produce, go do something. Right. Cause that's how I used to operate. So while I don't have the underlying anxiety that was driving it anymore in quiet moments. So say for instance, this past weekend, I took some time, you know, when I wasn't on social media away from people and from phone to, to kind of just like regroup and recenter myself. And a lot of those moments were quiet, you know, in my home, like doing quote unquote, nothing, if you will. And they, those honestly, Gab, were some of the most uncomfortable moments for me because yeah. I had a voice in my head the whole time that was like, well, I don't know if you should really be resting. You have a million and one things to do, including a book you should write. So, and again, I almost couldn't allow myself the choice to relax. So interestingly, I think that that happens too with a lot of us that do resonate with anxiety or with that product productivity that drive to produce. For some of us, it's really hard to give ourselves a moment of rest, even if our body is desperately like I, my emotions and my physical self needed it this weekend. Um, so it's honoring that yet my mind, right. was trying to hold me accountable to that productivity that it's used to. Yeah. And 
a lot of the listeners are obviously very into social media. Some of them might even be, you know, influencers in the wellness space or writers. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I dabble in all of it. And for someone like you, your, your entire um, presence was built off of social media. I know that you had a private practice before then, um, but it must be such a process for you to find balance because you know your your following has flourished like immensely over the past year or so and like very rightfully so because you just put out some of the most potent words and content and it's funny because when i first started following you and i started watching your videos i was like is she from philly i can like totally sense a philly vibe accent like (laughs) and only people from that part Mm -hmm. of the world that part of the country know when they hear it (laughs) but um so I was like oh my god this this girl is so cool like I really love how open she is but like can you can you talk a little bit more about that about how you know social media is very important with where we're at right now especially with how Um, We have to stay connected with people via Zoom, via Instagram, via Mm -hmm. email, but how can we find balance because our mental health really, really has to depend on, on those moments. Like you said, take, take to yourself to not do anything Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, and social media and the whole online world is the thing that is there 24 hours a day. I mean, we could hypothetically be on quote unquote, right. All day long, all night long, all of the time meaning there aren't natural stops or boundaries time around time at least that are in play you know back in 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 old world right we had times where businesses were open and then times where businesses were closed right so when businesses were closed like things were shut down we don't have that anymore business might as well be 24 hours a day so without those external stops we're responsible for finding our own you know our own balance and for me if you ever hear me talk about my personal healing journey, you'll hear me talk a lot about needing to develop boundaries because I'm someone who comes from a very enmeshed, boundaryless, codependent, right? all the same word, um, family. So for me, a lot of my healing is around creating those limits between myself, right? whether it's my physical person, how comfortable I am in physical space, around time, how much time am I willing to choose to invest in the different things that I do, um, around my emotions, right? My emotions are mine and everyone else's are everyone else's, right? So I had to learn a lot of putting, a lot of the process of putting those limits in place. Online gave me a, a, a beautiful daily consistent practice of putting up limits for my myself. So for me, right, it was really having a a honest conversation around how much, how capable am I? Like how much time can I give? How much emotions can I give to online? Um, It's been a flexible model I've taken in the beginning. I was the two drivers. I had two main intentions when I went online. The first intention was I wanted a space where I could begin to speak what was becoming my new truth of holistic wellness in the, you know, the kind of like the mental realm because I knew that 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 wasn't really being spoken I hadn't heard about it in school I knew a lot of practitioners probably hadn't heard about it so I just wanted a place where I could get my the truth that resonated for me out there with no expectation I had no idea you know what the reception would be I never expected in a million years it would be over a million people that's for sure I also wanted to community was another really big motivator because I was starting to find my relationships were shifting and changing in my personal world. 
And I was really looking for that group of people or that one other person even, right, that spoke the same language as me, that were maybe struggling with the same things and possibly healing in the same ways. Obviously, I didn't have any idea the numbers of people that that would resonate with, but my hope was just connecting with like-minded people. Um, so I say all that to say, I spent a lot of time when I initially went on in the comments, building the community, right? So that's why I said this was a, my, my, my boundaries were, were, they evolved over time. So I spent much more time online in the, in the virtual world when I first went on. I would spend time in comments, messaging, right? But I still had a framework. I was still seeing clients, right? So that's time. Client days were days that I was only on limited in the mornings or in the evenings. I would batch, right? So they were my external markers. Uh, over time, you know, I've tightened them up. You know, I now have however long I'm, I spend each day, you know, a couple hours on the Instagram account. And then outside of that, I allot to other projects. And then I have to hold myself accountable, knowing that it's always there, right? Yeah. Now it's up to me to maintain those limits because I don't have to, right? I could bring my phone into the bedroom and be responding all night. So once I've come up with my plan, now I have to hold myself accountable to the plan amidst, you know, it's still existing all the time. And or, I mean, there are endless messages that I get. I'll never be able to respond to them all. They'll always be there, right? So that's hard. Those are all the reasons why, well, maybe I'll just give it one more hour, right? So now I have to be disciplined within myself because I know the other side of that, what comes for me. I get I get physically exhausted and drained, right? I get that emotionally exhausted and drained. And then when I'm showing up, I'm not showing up as, as my best self. Yeah. It could be like a drug. It, it's a substance in itself. And it's like, oh, like just one more drink, you know, one more, whatever, whatever it is, you know, like uh, one more hour and, yeah. you know, you're not going to make a dent. You're not going to make a dent in your healing. You're not going to make a dent in your inbox. Like, yeah. um, so it's like cutting yourself off and, and staying true to that routine, which has truly helped me get through this time. Um, on this podcast, we talk a lot about routine and rituals and just all of that, like spiritual rituals, um, witchcraft, spell work, like all sorts of stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it's like trying to break up the day in different ways and yeah. getting outside of the comfort zone. And um, like a lot of, a lot of the interviews that I've heard you talk on, um, you've gotten very vulnerable about relationships in your life, um, like with your mother. And I would love to to go into that a little bit deeper for our listeners, since a lot of our listeners seems to be going through um, family wound right now, and what you know, a lot of a lot of the listeners are are aware of it, and they know exactly what the the problems are and the cycles, and you can't change anybody, you know, especially mm -hmm. um, someone who's been in their ways for so long, especially mm -hmm. a family member. I mean, if they're like mm -hmm. over the age of fifty, they don't want to hear it. Um, and we're in this wellness space where we're getting, we're developing and we're evolving and, you know, especially the millennials and we can be looked at as, um, dramatic or, you know, overanalyzing things. And I would love to hear your perspective on finding balance or like steps to like move through, uh, that healing of wounds in, in our family. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the reason why things like mom and mother wound come up and, you know, every now and again, I'll talk about father and father wound, right? It's not that I'm, I'm not throwing parents under the bus, right? Though the reality is those earliest relationships really become the model or the format for how we relate in general to other people as we age, to people that are our peers or our romantic partners or even our business partners, et cetera. If you, as you begin to, you know, experience yourself and observe yourself, really simply watch yourself in relationships, most of us do find we're very patterned. We do relate in more or less within a range, the same ways to all people. And those of us who have memories or have experience are still in relationship with those earliest people, caregivers, namely, right, mom, dad, whomever it was, right, if we look back, a lot of us can see that similarity, because that is the reality, that is the framework, right, how we relate it and interact it with mom and dad and whoever in a childhood becomes how we relate to others. So with that said, I always urge that people do go out there and observe themselves in these relationships, you know, to see this patterning. Because an aspect of my childhood that I do talk often about is the fact that I have very limited memories, as many of us have think of when we think of childhood memories, right? The kind of the movie screen kind, right? Where if I close my eyes or think back, right, I can recollect what holidays looked like or how they felt in my family or what we did on, you know, my birthday when I was 13. I have very limited of those movie frames. Like, I don't really know. Um, so with that said, the question I get a lot is, well, okay, well, if, what do I don't know? How, how do I know what happened back then to know how to heal now? And my response is always the same. Well, observe yourself now, because like I said, the patterning, the conditioning, right? The way it was is, is probably going to be reflected in the way you continue to relate. So with that said, you know, my, my earliest modeling was my connection or lack thereof in terms of the emotional realm with an emotionally unavailable mother, a mother who was very much, you know, kind of um, very anxious, highly anxious herself, and really struggled to connect with her own emotions, first and foremost, which made it really difficult for her to be emotionally available to her children. So I got really good, right, at making myself emotionally available to other people, at being really attuned to how other people are, and to show up for how other people needed me to show up because that's what I started to do very early on with my mom, to maintain love and connection in the limited way that she was capable. I learned to make it about mom, to keep it really short and simple, right? So what I then had to come to the awareness of was that I do that in all of my relationships. This episode is brought to you by Thought Cloud CBD, which is one of the purest CBD companies I'm affiliated with. They are Reiki-infused, vegan, sustainable, and pure, lab-tested, world-renowned CBD, and they have a variety of products from tinctures to topicals and even face masks and facial cleansers that are infused with CBD in them. I've actually been using Thought Cloud CBD products for almost two years now, and I love their tinctures so much. Um, it was one of the first companies that I really got deep into the tincture form of healing, and their tinctures are really nice and light. They have coconut oil in them. They don't have all these crazy flavors with additives and you know different types of chemicals that you don't want to be in your CBD. You just want 
exactly what you are getting and the reason why you take cbd is to heal so you don't want any of those junky fillers in there and C- cbd is not meant to have that stuff in it so thought cloud is all about healing and i recommend using their tinctures for anxiety depression inflammation gut health autoimmune flare-ups and i also use their cbd facial cleanser bar soap the cbd mud mask that you guys always see me posting about in my stories so if you'd like to check out thought cloud you can follow them on instagram just type in thought cloud or you can purchase anything off their website thoughtcloud.net and you can use discount code gypsy love flow for a discount and if they're ever having a sale you can also use my discount code gypsy love flow and that will give you extra money off even if it's like a 70 percent crazy sale that they have sometimes they have sales during the season so go ahead check them out thoughtcloud.net use code gypsy love flow for a discount at checkout to my own detriment you know so when i was in my mid-20s i was asked a very pivotal question where i this came to my realization that i don't know what i want because i was asked very directly by someone when i was going on a litany of everything people in my life wanted me to do or whatever it was, or I think if I on the holidays, right? The person said to me, well, what do you want to do, Nicole? And I had no answer. I had no idea because I had never asked myself. So that was evidence to me that, hmm, who, who am I worried about in my relationships? And the answer was everyone else, right? Okay. So part of my then conditioning that I, had a, that I had a break was that patterning, right? Learning how to show up for myself, learning how to identify what I need it, and then how to meet that need and or bring that need to the relationship table, if you will, in a new way. Um, so that's what I mean when I get kind of say that these earliest relationships are imprinted. So anyone out there listening, you know, some of us might know, oh, this is exactly where that habit came from. Even if you don't know exactly, you don't need to. You're going to see these conditioned patterns play out in real time. Um, specifically, particularly in your relationships. Um, and then that could give you the clue, you know, or the, the pathway through healing. And for a lot of us, it's, you know, doing the deeper work, learning how to show up in new ways. For me, it was putting boundaries around myself so that I could be separate from other people. Then that allowed me to develop into my own needs. Okay, the self has needs, who knew, right? Now I have to learn how to identify my needs, how to meet my needs, right? Before I could even talk about my needs to someone else. And all of this I was able to unfold and evolve into over time. None of this happened overnight, but it all started when I watched myself in my relationships. And when I came to see the same patterning, right? And I came to understand where it came from. And then I came to understand how to find my way out of it. Yeah. I, so basically you have to kind of decipher what that pattern was, which I think if I'm, if I'm not getting this wrong was, you know, approval, like trying to get approval or pleasing one of your parents or Uh whoever, whoever it may be, you know, like my, my specific pattern and cycle was always um, attracting men who were not emotionally available, but they were like wounded and not wounded. Like everybody has trauma, you know what I mean? But like wounded as in like narcissistic and like addicted to drugs or, you know, and 
So that was like the basis of my relationship kind of career. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and like, so like that cycle and pattern has followed me because the first relationship that I was in was with somebody who was a drug dealer and addicted to drugs and I couldn't get him to treat me well. So that longing for, for to be treated well kept traveling with me. So I would keep attracting men in that same realm of type. Mm -hmm. And then I would try to break the cycle or the pattern by getting them to really love me or getting them to really treat me well. And it's a delusion, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And because that would prove you're worth it on some level, right? If they show up in this way that I prescribe will mean I'm worth it or I'm worthy or I'm lovable. Right. And it's not logical for me to, to think that someone who is addicted or, or, you know, addicted to substance or, toxic behavior is going to just all of a sudden, you know, it's the same, the same person over and over again. And, you know, I can definitely relate with the, the mother wound and it's been humbling to live with my mom right now. So it's, you know, and it's not linear. It's like, sometimes, you know, my reactions aren't the best. And I've, I've heard you speak on this as well. Like, you know, sometimes even like as a, as a psychologist, your rea your reactions aren't going to be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I really just find that like, it resonates just because people think, oh, well, I'm on this, this self-betterment journey and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm transcending and it's like, you know, but you're allowed to have one of those days where you're angry and you lash out. Like that's just being human. And I've had to really learn how to accept the fact that I'm going to have days like that. And, um, you know, for me in particular, in my experience, I have a sister wound. So me and my sister have a very weird relationship and I've been, you know, trying to come up with the perfect letter or the perfect email or whatever. And like, I have to, I've been sitting with it for a long time now because we haven't spoken in a while. And, um, it's, every situation's different, but I have to kind of sit with it and, and look at it from a different angle. And the more time that I sit with it, the more I can see it from her perspective. And I'm not like, so in my head and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm trying not to be the victim as much. And I'm trying to see things from her perspective. So it really is sitting with yourself. Like you said, yeah. sometimes time, you know, because I often talk about, you know, the cliche that we love to hate, healing isn't linear or whatever version of that is, is so true. You know, when we talk about those older reactions, you know, or, you know, I will often talk about harnessing time as our best friend, meaning, right, triggering event, you know, thing might happen, I might start to feel all emotional, whatever emotion it is, you know, sometimes the difference between that old reaction and a new response is me just taking a moment, stepping away from the activating issue so that time can wear on and my body can return to a balance. I can possibly shift into a new perspective if it's warranted or ex explore it, decide if it's warranted, right? So sometimes time offers us that gift uh, because when we're in that emotionally activated moment, that reaction, that older reaction is right there at the right. Um, and it's very hard to stop it. And I know I still struggle and there's still days where I have my old reactions. And, you know, even if that the new response is right there at the ready, sometimes I even just choose to do the old thing. Um, and it's about offering yourself grace on the other side 
Yeah. But like I said, sometimes time, you know, and putting that delay or learning how to press a pause button before, right, that old reaction comes out is the difference. So similar to like you with my sister, I wrote this note, you know, three days from now, three weeks from now, you know, I might reframe the whole note because I have a new perspective or I might not, but I've given myself the opportunity to step into a new space of awareness to decide a new response if it applies. Not that it always will. Right. Yeah. How do you like speaking about perspectives and like this has been like a constant kind of thread and theme on this podcast as well is as we're becoming better people, you know, like who I was, you know, in college is completely different than who I am right now. I'm one year sober now. I'm like, I'm in a completely like, I would say better headspace um, because I used to like just beat up my body and drink and party and it was just insane. Um, but as we move in, into these new versions of ourselves, some people in our lives, whether that's friends or our family members, um, they still see us as that worst version of ourselves, like, you know, which can be very painful and which can be, um, I think personally, why I have a, a problem with my sister, uh, and a, a relationship that needs to be healed with her because she views me as this older version of myself, um, you know, maybe mm -hmm. in my mm -hmm. mid-20s where I just, I wasn't, I wasn't pleasant to be around. I wasn't nice. I wasn't like, you know, and I, you know, I'm seeing it now. And how would you go about helping like a client or a friend or even yourself by trying to move through that because you can't change how people see you. You can't persuade them. Mm -hmm. You can't beg them. You can't, you know, paint a picture of, of how you are now. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to see you how they're, they're going to see you. So how would you, you know, kind of work through that? Yeah. I mean that, that in and of itself, giving up the expectation that we can exert control, change someone's perception of us is an incredibly hard thing to give up. Though that is the reality. We cannot control anyone's perception on anything, even if it is us that they're perceiving or misperceiving, um, or we desperately want it, or you know, it's our loved one. You know, whatever the case is, we are very powerless to whether or not that person allows us to update or updates us in their mind. That's hard, you know. So once we're able to really work through giving up that expectation. Because sometimes what, we're, what we have to give up or what the process is for us in doing that is mourning in a sense, right? On some level, we might be mourning that this relationship, you know, or this perception might remain in the past for this person. Um, and that, that, that's sad. You know, we're almost mourning a relationship, a future version of a relationship that might never be. Um, because that's what we want. We want them to update so that we can get on the same page and our relationship can look and feel different for both of us. So yeah. on some level, we're doing a little preemptive mourning, you know, that that might not be, this person might never see us anew. Um, and then what I talk a lot about, um, is this, the practice or what I call the practice of being misunderstood, right. Of not, of having people in our life who don't get it or don't update the perception of us or don't understand what we're, how we're living or why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, and that's the reality. There might be a lot of people in our life who just don't get it or who prefer it to be a version of the past, you know, in some senses, not that this applies to your sister, but some yeah. people would have prefer us before we healed in a sense, right? Because 
again, they had expectations that were being met in that old way. So it's about, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of mourning of honoring and of learning how to stand in that space of being misunderstood because the, the, the issue we cause ourselves, others and the relationship itself is when we constantly go back trying to beat that dead horse or trying to get the person to see or trying to right do something yeah. that is just not it's not possible um that path usually leads to not positive consequences on both ends of the relationship yeah exactly and that's where i'm at because as much as i want to persuade and you know <laughs> It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible. And mm-hmm. like what you just said about like some, so basically sometimes it's easier. I feel like, um, for family members to, to lean on one of the people in the family's problems and kind of not use it as a scapegoat, but like I was listening to this podcast, I forget which one it was, but it was also with a therapist and she was saying like, that when one of the people in the family is starting to change and and grow out of their toxic patterns, that it can actually disrupt the homeostasis Mm -hmm. of the family because the one who's, the one who's wounded, the one with all the problems, the one who's outspoken or the black sheep or whatever is, is usually the one that people can pinpoint everything Mm -hmm. to. And Mm -hmm that in itself is just really challenging to move out of like, no, I'm not this person anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm yeah. done. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause there was a, a function. I mean, that's the thing. And our, the system we grow. So I, we just talked about right relationships, dyadic, right. Between infant and caregiver, child and parent, both parents, et cetera. We have to also, you know, attribute for those of us that had systems, families, right. Where there are siblings and aunts and uncles and there are a lot of, you know, the family systems theorists and uh, everyone, all the marriage and family therapists that work on, in that modality will often talk about the actual family roles that are inhabited, which you're, you're speaking really accurately that, you know, when one person doesn't inhabit a role anymore, the system is affected itself. And that's real. So we have, right, the interpersonal, like how is the role, how do I learn to relate to one other human at play? And then what is my role? What is the family role that I found myself? So for me, I know what mine was. It was family helper, family doctor, family problem solver. Um, and I played that, I inhabited that role until I made a choice to put up some hard boundaries and step out of that role. And then my system, my family has had to reorganize itself where no one's doing that anymore. Um, and that does have a ripple effect. So anyone listening, you know, things that are of interest, you know, as an interpersonal creature, a human, you know, look at those individual relationship patterns and also think about the bigger patterns in your family and your structures and, you know, ask yourself what roles, you know, was I playing? What roles am I no longer willing to play? And note that, you know, that will result in some level of reorganization of the family unit that doesn't always go smoothly or, you know, positively at first. Um, that's the thing I just want to hammer in, you know, all of the discomfort that many of us feel when we change and then our relationships change, change as a result, the immediate discomfort can really, once we work through that and walk through that and tolerate it all, what we're often left with on the other side is a far more sustainable reality, relationship, whatever it might be. Um, so that's my rally cry because those of us doing the work know it's not easy um, and that it does come with a lot of discomfort. 
though I assure you on the other side, what's left is something that's so much more maintainable, especially in terms of our relationships and fulfilling for both people. Mm-hmm. For people who are confused on what kind of roles and archetypes, you know, we can unwillingly take on, you know, I actually wrote this in my notes before I um, hopped on here, like some of the archetypes that I've felt myself in have been like the problem child or the mentally ill family member or the angry person or Mm -hmm. the girl who's too much or, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the depressed girl. And like, as much as it's, it's as liberating as it is to like accept who you are. Um, I think that a lot of what you're about is, you know, accepting who we are, but like moving away from it and like not identifying ourselves as that anymore and being aware of, of who we are and with that awareness, moving away from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, I might go as far to make you know, a, a statement that can, that says, as I say in my Instagram bio, that we actually can choose to create who we want to become, right? So the extension of that then is, yes, I might've worn this role as my identity, right? Maybe I can shed that as no longer my identity. And furthermore, maybe I can create, you know, get so connected with and create then who I actually am in the world once I've, you know, removed all of those layers of, of conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it takes multiple times of, of falling in and out of those cycles and patterns. Like how many relationships have I been through that have been the same thing over and over again? And this last one that happened in Philly a couple times really took me out, really took me for a spin. And that was the one that really made me, um, narrow down on my sobriety and just everything. Mm-hmm. So as as much as it sucks, I think that people need to learn in the way that need that they need to learn. It's a it's not just you fall once and then you get back up and everything's fine. It's sometimes the universe mm-hmm. really does knock mm-hmm. you down several times and like I love talking about rock bottoms. I love talking about how they can actually be more of like a a jumping board into like something else. And I talk about my rock bottoms all the time on here about drugs and, and low self-worth and, and all that. And I'd love to hear, um, a rock bottom of yours. It could be from any time in your life that actually served as more of like a, a pivot, like a positive. Yeah. Pivot. Mm-hmm. As you were speaking, I was going to offer. So you're directly asking me now, that it was my own rock bottom, what I call my dark night of the soul that led to the birth of, you know, this holistic psychology and the way that I'm working now, you know, it was, I I had two, I think I had a decade of rock bottom in my twenties. When I was living in New York, freshly in school, my mom was having some, some health issues. My anxiety was an all time high. I just discovered the beautiful world of panic attacks and started to have those really, really frequently. Um, that lasted for probably almost the better part of that whole that whole decade. Um, at that point, I made sense of it a couple ways, right? I'm in New York. It's stressful. I'm in school. There's some really things, big things happening in my life. I also made sense of it that as I upward, you know, as I was uh, nearing 30, that oh, this was just life and adulting and what everyone's feeling. 
but that was a really low period. And then the other low period that really was the catalyst for this work I do now was, you know, um, as I was like entering my thirties, I had another really big spike of anxiety. I had really debilitating physical symptoms. I started to faint. I started to forget my sentences. Like I really barely had any energy. I was living, I just was really low. Um, meanwhile, I was looking externally at my life and I was seeing that it was at least on the surface, everything I'd wanted it to be. I had a practice that was thriving. I had a partnership that I was happy with. Um, you know, I was back in Philadelphia where I come from. I thought I was going to be a city girl for life. So I'm looking around and you know, nothing seemed like it should be causing how down I felt. I mean, I, if I'm, if I'm honest, Gab, I entertained running away, like on the daily basis. Like I just wanted to leave my life and I didn't know why. And that, that kind of that catalyst, you know, kind of bubbling, 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 and really just hitting a peak when the physical symptoms started was what drove me first online to try to figure out what was going on with me. Um, and then really into this vast world of research and, you know, pretty much all of this stuff I had never heard of in terms of the body and the nervous system and the importance of nutrition and your gut. And this was all well, news out of left field, but that was the door just kind of opening up a crack, right? That was like, led me to even entertain the possibility that there were some other tools out there that I maybe wasn't aware of. Um, as a human and obviously, of course, as a, as a practitioner in the field. Um, and that cracked door really led me down this, you know, vast months long of research and then of figuring out how to implement. Uh, really, I was focused at that point on my own healing. You know, let me see if I can change some things in my life to feel better. And then, of course, after several months of gaining some traction of, of changing my lifestyle choices and of actually starting to feel better for the first time in my whole life, uh, I knew that I was, you know, on to something that was really important and in my opinion needed to be talked about. Um, so that, whoa, for me, you know, where I thought my choice was, I believe at that point to just saddle up, you know, this was life. This is how life feels now, right now yeah. in my thirties, definitely age is factoring in. It's only a matter of time before I, you know, start to get all of these like health related diagnoses. Like I was just ready to strap on to trudge through life. Um, and I'm grateful in the one, on the one hand for the fear that I had that I'm grateful for fainting. I'm grateful for you right. know, having what I thought was an actual brain-based issue. I'm grateful for that. Uh, because I don't know if I would have done the research that I did at that time to find out everything I found out that was a catalyst for who I am and what I am and how I work and how I feel as a human now. Right. And that's, that's basically what your work is all about. It's about, it is very physically based. It's very, you know, um, breathing and meditation and how how simple it sounds and how cliche it can sound take 10 deep breaths but like truly when do people do that like mm -hmm. i even lose track and i'll you know i won't breathe deep um for a week you know i'm breathing and i'm i'm alive yeah. and i'm and i'm <laughs> running and i'm jogging or i'm doing yoga but i'm like not actually feeling my yeah. breath hit my chest and like feel my lungs expand which can honestly just like change your whole energy and so 
I know that you've actually um, been interviewed by Lacey Phillips, so I'm, I'm sure you're, you're kind of familiar with her work and like the term expanders. Were there any expanders in your life during that time of like that rock bottom that helped you get through that, that dark time, dark night of the soul time? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone that I met in terms of the work that they were doing online from, you know, the Joe Dispenza's and the Bruce Lipton's who taught me how powerful the mind is, you know, to all of the people that were doing the work, really understanding the importance of the gut um, and healing the gut in terms of the fact that the gut is connected to the brain and our mental wellness. So everyone that I met that had this, their hands on this knowledge was a complete expander for me. Um, it was new knowledge. And in my opinion, it was the most incredibly impactful knowledge because it focused on personal empowerment, right? On the things that I, as one individual human can begin to do differently to affect change. It's really based in what we now know, you know, the new science, if you will, is, you know, of epigenetics, which is, yeah, we all are, we all have genes, you know, things that code our DNA and that, you know, do affect, you know, how we look and what we feel, et cetera, though there also is control that we can have based on our environment, right? So for me, the ultimate expander was all of those people who showed me the ways or showed me how to find a way into a, a lifestyle-based change that was within my control, um, that I could begin to practice consistently every day because to speak to your point and the reality that, yeah, 10 breaths aren't gonna do much you know, help. Um, remembering to breathe deeply when you're in the middle of an argument isn't going to help that much unless you're doing that consistently, more or less, day in and day out, right? That's when these tools become effective. However, like most of us humans, we like to use things only on an as-needed basis, typically when we're uncomfortable as the fastest means to feel better. And I'm like that too. You know, I'm not saying I, you know, I, I very much, that's how my family, we like immediate relief. Uh, so, you know, these things are lifestyle practices, um, but my ultimate expander and how I hope to always present my message in the world for others to similarly expand is a personal empowerment uh, is yes, we might not be able to control the neighborhood we live in or what's happening at scale in, in the world, but I hope to impart, you know, a tool or two of daily things that we can control and that we can incorporate and that we can build in a, a form of resilience in the midst of the things that are out of our control. Yeah. So like we're truly in control of our energy and I love talking about that tapping in and tapping out and how we can so easily be off kilter. Something so small can happen. It could be the smallest thing ever. And we don't even realize why am I so angry right now? Why am I so like wound up? from something that is so tiny and then like stepping away from that and and literally like like sometimes I have to just like close my eyes and like imagine myself stepping away from that tiny little thing that someone said or that tiny little thing that someone did <laughs> and say okay but I'm like here right now <laughs> yeah. and like I don't know it's just it's especially in this time right now like um anxiety based around socializing with people um and finding comfort you know in meeting new people whether that's online or in real life mm -hmm. and like you know not 
trauma binding is as a term that you use a lot and understanding that like you know we do we do have the capability to change our energy and to change our preferences and we don't have to keep you know running on this same treadmill over and over again um you know we are kind of getting up to an hour now so i don't want to take too much of your time but i'd love to hear what you have to say about you know socializing and anxiety and meeting people and breaking out of that um that trauma bonding type thing you know especially with therapy um i used to go to therapy groups in philly and i feel like it's a very um fragile environment because everyone is kind of trauma bonding in that in that scenario and it can feel very good but can also feel very weird at times and um breaking away from from the the trauma bond type friendships can be really challenging so you know as we're we're still in quarantine and at this moment in time you know maybe things are starting to to open up and get more normal normalized how would you because this is actually one of the questions that came in how can you you know break away from a trauma bond and deal with social anxiety and meet new people yeah absolutely so i mean first and foremost you know having the awareness of you know the the type of relationship the why you know what we get from it what the engagement pattern is is helpful you know and as a lot of us look around what i mean when i say trauma bond isn't that we're we're going to relive a trauma or be stuck in, you know, an abusive relationship. So that's a version of it, right? Again, what I mean when I say trauma bond is back to what is that earliest model, right? How did I feel in my relationships? How did I learn to show up? And that's then what I replicate. So we can have trauma bonds in our friendships. We can create trauma, right? So point being, asking ourselves, inquiring within, you know, what is, because we are, you will also hear me attest to the reality that humans are interpersonal creatures. We need other humans, right? right? So we need to learn how to relate um, in relationship, if you will, with other humans. So question is, so meaning relationships are good. They're good for us humans, right? We can get stability and security and, you know, find the way to get needs met within a relationship. However, what is the intention, right? So that's a really great first question. You know, what do I get from this person and, or what do I offer to this person? And that can give us clarity as to, because I will, especially in quarantine, you know, I I know a lot of us have had to get creative with how to reach out and make connections with other people, though, you know, it's possible. So getting creative, learning how to connect and doing the reaching out when we feel like we do need support. Um, You'll always hear me in favor of that. I think it's necessary as humans to get support when we need it. Um, Again, you know, though, if we're asking what is the purpose of this, you know, do I use this relationship only to vent? Is there more, right? So again, there's not a one size fits all answer. But usually if we ask around, what is my intention? You know, what am I getting from this? What purpose is this serving in my life? That can at least offer us a choice. You may choose to still go ahead and get that intention met or that need met in that way, but you might also choose not to, right? So as you evolve along healing, I might come to the awareness that, you know what, getting my need met or doing this thing with this person has some repercussions on the other side that aren't necessarily healthy for me. So in that moment of questioning now, I might give myself the opportunity to not do that, Mm -hmm. right? And to then maybe take this need somewhere else with a new person or to a different type of relationship, or maybe this is what I bring to my therapist next Tuesday, right? So 
now we can learn to differentiate um, and be a little more selective and incorporate which what I think is the most empowering thing, which is quite simply choice because so many of us don't have choice. We're living in the autopilot. We're allowing these wounded areas of us, right? These deeper needs to drive our behaviors on a day-to-day -day basis. So my goal is just really to empower humans to create that space to give them choice, right? You might still make the same choice, but you've done so consciously and willingly and we're a participant as opposed to just an automaton doing what they always do in this moment. Right. Yeah, the choice of the choice of who you give your energy to and and if choice you're of everything who and when and how and when to stop right. and you know <laughs> and if and if you're sitting there and you're like I really need some more meaningful friendships in my life then it does start with with you and I'm, I'm talking to me because I I've been that person that I've been like oh I'm, I'm I don't have anybody I'm so alone and depression can make you feel so alone but you really do have a lot of people and you just have to really like take a step back and like start reaching out to people because it's not a one right one way road like friendships and connections and if you want support you have to support others and a lot of people get so stuck and trapped in their suffering and in their in their personal inter interpersonal situation that like it's hard to to find that capability to reach out but once you do that's why support groups do work so well because you're in there and you're hearing everybody else's suffering and you're like oh okay I'm not alone you know mm -hmm. but I um I think therapy is so important I mean I wasn't really I, I was such a skeptic with online therapy for the longest time and I actually was seeing a therapist in Philly for a while and she did Reiki and it was like the whole experience was nice because I would like go there and like drink my coffee and then go to Rittenhouse and it was like the whole thing but now it's like okay well even even on my good days I should still go to therapy and then on my bad days I should still go to therapy just like mm -hmm. yoga like you shouldn't yeah. just go to yoga when you feel good about your body even on mm -hmm. the days that you feel like shit or you feel fat or you feel gross or whatever you should go yeah. and and do the things that make you feel good energetically um even if it's gonna be like kind of rough to get through that yeah. that but I am um, I feel like I could talk to you for so long and I have I have so many other things I'd love to dive into with you but maybe we'll have to do this again absolutely and I am um, I'm so grateful that we were able to connect and same. Um, right now what are you working on in your life I know you just moved to California and you are soaking up the sunshine <laughs> what has what's been a common um just a theme or a mood that you're, that you're working through right now in your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. I think with, uh, COVID life, um, two themes that I'm, I'm working on are right. How to discharge my energy, you know, feeling starting to feel a bit cooped up. I know things are loosening where I can go take the walk, do the thing. Me, I've, I've noticed that, I energetically, you know, or my feelings get stuck in my body and I feel an agitation if I don't literally move them out in some way, whether it's a walk or yoga um, with COVID and not having as many out of the home appointments to go to that, you know, historically was enough to get me moving on a more or less daily basis. So now it's been, how do I manage my energy and discharge it? Uh, and on the flip side of that, how do I allow myself to rest? 
um, because, you know, just like everyone else, emotions are coming up for me. I'm working through things, you know, COVID related, not COVID related. Uh, and in those moments, you know, when I feel myself and uh, physically and emotionally depleted, right, my, my goal is to allow myself to rest. Though for me, with that, right, this all comes full circle, that tendency toward productivity, that's, you know, kind of the theme that I've been working on is how do I activate when I need a discharge? How do I know the difference? And how do I allow myself to rest um, when I'm tired? So that's been a, a personal theme in my healing um, in the past recent month or two. I can totally relate to that because I have, I have autoimmune issues. And as much as I want to like work out and exercise and do everything, yeah. sometimes you'll wake up and you'll just feel like you it's need to, to just, it. you have to just rest. So yeah. that's, that's super important. So um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, you know, I am just so grateful that we got to finally meet in kind of person. Kind of person. Um, <laughs> this is um, personhood these days, Gab. So you're not missing out on much. Pretty much everyone is meeting. I know, right? It was screen. So it but is. I, I don't doubt that our paths will cross sometime somewhere in the world. And I'm really happy that you followed up and we got to connect at least in this way. So thank you for sharing your time with me. All right. What did you guys think? I I truly think that there's something in this episode for everyone. And especially in these times that we're in right now um, with quarantine and with a lot of the different things that are happening in not only our country, but our world, um, we need more positive and tactical ways to heal ourselves. Um, sometimes we we need to be the ones that take charge and it's not going to be a doctor. It's not going to be a therapist. It's not going to be a psychiatrist or a, a speaker or a thought leader or a yoga teacher that's going to help us heal. But, um, ourselves, you know, we, we know ourselves best. And I love that Nicole is all about mindfulness, awareness, turning within and asking ourselves these questions about ourselves and our our cycles and patterns and relationships in our lives and the why um, underneath it all. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it with a friend or a family member. You can rate, subscribe, and review the podcast on iTunes. This is the best way to help the podcast thrive, and it's free. Um, as you know, this is a one-woman show, so I appreciate all of the the reviews and the ratings and the more subscribers and all of that that the podcast gets. The, the more organic the, the podcast will rise to the surface. So I know that we're all struggling out there, and we could all use some words of of reassurance and clarity and just clarifying that we're all you know going through something pretty heavy right now whether it's family trauma um, addiction eating disorders relationship problems um, you're not alone so uh, again thank you so much for tuning in and sharing this space and energy with us and I'm gonna leave you with the rest of this song by my friend Mark Bullet it's called Alcoholic I want to feel till my head goes numb. I want to hear it. I want to be someone.
You want everything, but don't make a sound. It's what I needed. Ooh, someone to cut me down. Cut me down now. Do you want another heartache? Do you want another frown? I think you're an alcoholic. Can't you put that down? You tell me to write a key of it. Make me feel yesterday. Girl, you wanna drive me crazy. But I need this now. Oh, you better, you bet. How can I forget? Never gonna let you know. Oh, yeah. Was it or was it not time? You see, my hands were tight. I never knew how to love. Put your feet up, bake up, soon you gotta wake up, get your weight up. I've seen better, let them in coat, but you never want, never want. Thinking about you, I'll find a way. Next to a balloon that sees the day, moving too slow. In the mirror again, I told you so. Do you want another heartache? Do you want another frown? I think you're an alcoholic, can't you put that down? You tell me to write a key of it. Yesterday, girl, you wanna drive me crazy, but I need this now. Out of soul, out of mind, stick it out sometimes. Never gonna let you know. Oh yeah, was it or was it not time? You see, my hands were tight. I never knew how to love. I never knew how, I never knew how to love. 